Julie Van Warmer, and you're listening to Unshaken, a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Hey, just two things before we jump into today's podcast episode. The first one is I want you to head over to your favorite podcast directory and subscribe to Unshaken. It really helps us out, plus you get notification when we have new episodes out. The second thing I want you to do is, if you're a Facebook member, is to head over to our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast, and uh, like it, and then you can interact with the community of people on that particular page, as well as at the beginning of every season, and we know season four is about four or five episodes away, um, we do a fabulous, exciting giveaway, and that is your only way that you could win that giveaway is by joining that Facebook page. So head over and do that now. August 8th, 2020 was a pretty special day in our family. It was the day my firstborn son got married to his sweet, adorable wife. But it also was the day I became a mother-in-law. And um, I've had this on my mind for a long time. I don't have a great amount of experience being a mother-in-law. This is, I think it's been six, eight months now. But I have been a daughter-in-law for a long time. And um, it's been good to think about this. And it really has made me think of both sides of the coin. So today we're actually going to listen in on a talk given by Diane Walls at the 2017 Regarding Him Women's Conference. And her talk is fabulous. Let me just tell you ahead of time, get your pen and your notebook out. You are going to want to write some things down, whether you are a daughter-in-law or whether you are a mother-in-law. This talk is great. It's called Turning Outlaws into In-Laws. And she just really has some great practical wisdom on how we can love each other no matter what part of the family that we're in, and honor God in our relationships. So, hey, let's jump in to Diane Wall's talk called Turning Outlaws into In-Laws. So I'd like to begin, and I'd like to begin by saying welcome to the party. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about celebrating today. And in the scriptures, we have a lot of celebrations. We have uh, the Jews celebrating the Passover when God provided for them to get out of Egypt. We have David as he celebrated before the Lord as the Ark of the Covenant was returned to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6. We have, oh, in the New Testament, we have the wonderful celebration of the father for the prodigal son as he returns in Luke 15. And who cannot help but celebrate as you think about the angels and the celebration of God's birth. So celebration is a term used a lot. It's a, celebration is a joyous event. It's a time when it's fun, our hearts are light, we have hope as we look to the future. And we don't readily turn down an invitation to celebrate. Actually, in our family, um, one of my granddaughters, happy birthday, Summer, (laughs) celebrated her 17th birthday two days ago, and today is another granddaughter's birthday, and she'll be 19. And both of these families are celebrating God's goodness to them and the milestones in their life. Now, I need to introduce first a little bit about my family because some of you don't know me. I, my husband's name is Fred, or Butch, I call him. We've been married 50 years last spring. We have two children. The oldest is a daughter, Renee, and she is married to Paul. They've been married almost 23 years. 
They have seven children oh. and one foster toddler that we're praying will be our grandson in the next couple months. Our son, Tim, is married to Angie, and they've been married almost 24 years. They have three teenagers, and they live a little bit east of Cleveland, and Renee lives about five miles away from us. My daughter-in-law, hi, my daughter-in-law, or excuse me, my mother-in-law's name was Dottie, and she was my mother-in-law for 33 years, and we had a good relationship, although a little bit distant in that my father, my husband's father died when he was 18, so she remarried and had two more children, actually not too much older than my own children. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, celebrate is not a word I would use in context of my mother-in-law or daughter-in-law. And my prayer has really been that God will change your heart to see the need to celebrate. I am going to give you my overriding thought, principle, um, at the very beginning. And I'm trusting you won't go to sleep now. But I want you to know where we're going this morning. And then I'm praying that God will help me fill in how to be a good in-law person. So what we're going to look at this morning is celebrate what God is doing in the next generation. Leave a godly legacy. That is our theme for this session. Celebrate what God is doing in the next generation. Leave a godly legacy. Outlaws into in-laws is the title. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. The fugitive, the rebel into the true blue steadfast friend. Now, I think mother-in-laws especially get a bad rap sometimes. Maybe some of you will agree with me. What are some of the adjectives that you would use negatively about a mother-in-law? Now, if your mother-in-law's in this room, don't talk. <laughs> but what are some negative adjectives you hear about mother-in-laws? Nagging. Nagging. Meddling. Meddling. Judgmental. Judgmental. Okay. How about some positive adjectives now? Nurturing. Caring. Caring. Thank Helpful. you. Helpful. Supporting. Pardon? Supporting. Supporting. That's a key word. Thank you. And my prayer is that we will be able to change negatives to positive as we leave this room today. I want to focus on this relationship. And when I was thinking about this relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law is long-term. You really don't get to pick another one out in a couple years if it doesn't work out. When the husband and wife said, I do, guess what? I do for you too, till death us do part. You are an in-law person. So with that, let's begin with prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the women in this room. And I pray that you would use your word and the words that you have given me to encourage them in their role as a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. I pray that if there's areas that need changed, that your Holy Spirit will show them those areas. And, Father, that you would bring about a great uh, blessing and celebration in this relationship from today on. In your name. Amen. All right, let's begin the transformation right now. A mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law is a new position, a new place in life. You weren't born a mother-in-law or daughter-in-law. You weren't born a mom. You weren't born a wife. You were born a woman. There's always a learning curve, isn't there, in any new position in life. We expect it if we take a new job. We expect it if we... Um, start a new area of ministry, 
why do we not expect it when we become mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws? I want to encourage you that a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationship needs time and prayer. When the I do's are said, you're not instantly a perfect mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Your son married a person who is different from your family. They have been raised differently. They celebrate differently. <coughs> they think differently. And likewise, you daughter-in-laws, your mother-in-law doesn't do things the same way your mom taught you to do them. There's a difference in this relationship. And I believe we need to early on embrace the difference. Don't expect instant love. They're new to you. You might know their family, but then you might not. Time is key in this relationship. Celebrate the relationship early on to set the tone. And when I was thinking about celebration, celebrating, I remember my husband's first birthday celebration after we got married. We were about, married about four months, and he never even got a card from his mother. And I was, like, incredulous. Birthdays were a big thing in my family, and he never even got a card. And I took offense for him, right? My husband never even blinked an eye. He didn't really expect it because birthdays weren't a celebration in his family. So I needed to learn from that point on, not be angry at my mother-in-law, but to realize that we celebrated different and plan according to after that time. Because the book of Ruth is a story of a relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, that's going to be our key text. So I'd like you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Ruth, Joshua Judges, Ruth, um, in your Bibles. Ruth is four chapters, and I would encourage you, when you get home, take your 15 minutes, read this book and see how God providentially works in the lives of this mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. I'll tell a little of the story to kind of save time. Um, Naomi, the mother-in-law, was married to Elimelech. And there was a famine in the land of Judah. So Elimelech took Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Chilon, out of Judah into the country of Moab. And they resided there. And then her husband died. So Naomi was a widow. And then her two sons married two Moabitess women, enter Ruth and Orpah. So we'll pick up the story in chapter 1, verse 6. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law, that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughter-in-laws with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, Go return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with, with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go. Now jump down to verse 14. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, 
Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse if anything but death separates you and me. Then when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. Then jump down to 22. So Naomi returned, and with her Ruth the Moabite is her daughter-in-law, who returned from the land of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I read in, as I was preparing for this study that the relationship between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law is the most fragile of human relationships. And if that is a fact, then we need the Lord and his <laughs> word ever so much in this fragile relationship. And so I'm going to challenge you today to do two things, both mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. One is to celebrate, and two is to support. Thank you for that word, support. Okay? First, on your handout there, support means being loyal to this marriage relationship. Mother-in-laws, in the passage that we just read in verses 8 and 9, Naomi knew she had to let her daughter-in-laws go back home after the death of her sons. And she loved them enough to make that happen. She kissed them and sent them on her way. They were her true daughters. Naomi loved her daughter-in-laws enough to go back to Judah all by herself, alone, so that they would have an opportunity to remarry and perhaps have children. She was continuing to be loyal to these daughter-in-laws even after the death of her sons. You, mother-in-law, have something to offer your daughter-in-law. You. I don't care what her background is. Even if God, God planted you in her life and she in yours. She may have a mom who knows the Bible better, who cooks better, who throws better parties than you do. But God has put her in your life and given you gifts and insights that she needs. You may say, well, I'm not sure about that. But God doesn't waste relationships that he puts together he wants you to help and teach her support and be loyal to your daughter-in-law and then by extension your son and your grandchildren mother-in-law your son is establishing leadership in this family celebrate that you want to be a help in that leadership transfer Um, you can teach your daughter-in-law ways that are pleasing to your son perhaps ways that she doesn't even know You want God's blessing on this family, so support them. Celebrate this marriage. Pray lots for them and your role in being a support. Don't be looking for ways that are not pleasing to you. You, Your desire should be to support the decisions that they make as this married couple, even sometimes if they seem foolish to you. They are learning together to make their way. Think back to the foolish mother-in-law's decisions you made when you were first married. I remember when we were first married, we bought a whole set of encyclopedias before our kids were even three years old. (laughs) Now, some of you probably don't even know what encyclopedias are. (laughs) Think Google and book form. That'll help. Our our in-laws, my parents or his parents, never said a thing. And I think, looking back, they must have thought we were crazy. I mean, that was a big expense, and we weren't, didn't have a lot of money. But they never said a thing. 
we as a young couple thought we were providing for our kids' education by buying those um, encyclopedias. Your son-in-law and daughter-in-law, or your son and daughter-in-law, decisions may not please you, but if you're not asked for your opinion, don't be quick to give it. Support and be loyal to this new family. Our encyclopedias, I'm sure, are in some flea market somewhere, but our relationship with our in-laws was not harmed at all. Now, if you see an area of sin or thoughts and actions in either your son or daughter-in-law after much, and I have much in capital letters, much prayer and conversation with your husband, if, if that's appropriate, then perhaps you can offer a word of encouragement or exhortation. But mother-in-law, this is not to be a daily or weekly happening. You, I know you love her, I know but you are not your, mother, your daughter-in-law's Holy Spirit. You want to encourage them. You, what they really need, and I would strongly encourage you, is more prayer, less words, and a huge measure of God's grace poured out on them. You want to celebrate for years with this family, new family or old family, and you don't want to estrange yourself by not being loyal and supporting and celebrating this daughter that God has given you. Recently, I was with my daughter-in-law, Angie, and I told her about the topic, and I said, you know, Angie, I was going to ask you, you know, what do you think about your and my relationship? But I said to her, well, I know I'm not a perfect mother-in-law, and that might be a hard thing to talk about. And she <laughs> laughed, and she said to me, she said, the one thing I really appreciate about you and her mom is that we're not into drama. She said, you don't take things that happen, make big issues of them, and tell everybody in the family and all your friends. And apparently, in her parents' family, there was a family member who did that, and it caused a lot of turmoil in their family. Loyal support sounds a whole lot better to me than turmoil. Loyal means that if you know Susie and Jimmy are having some marital problems, or you know they spent more on an object than they should have, or they're really not treating each other as Ephesians 5 would tell you to treat them. First, you're not the fixer. You're the prayer. You are not to see that all your friends know all the intimate details so they can, so they can pray about it. Now, for sure, you would ask close friends to pray for them if they're struggling in their marriage. But God knows the details. You don't have to tell them all the details. Be loyal to this marriage. Be purposeful to be loyal. Now, daughter-in-laws, your mother-in-law fulfills a role that's part mother, part friend, and even if you have some of those feelings that your mother-in-law, you're not the mother daughter-in-law she would have picked, she is directly related to you by God's design. Like Ruth, you need to be supportive of your mother-in-law. Ruth was going to Judah to help and take care of her mother-in-law. Ruth went out into the fields and gleaned for the both of them to provide for Naomi. She was loyal to her. And I can hear some of you in your head, you daughter-in-law, saying, but you don't know my mother-in-law. <laughs> yep, I don't know your mother-in-law. But I want you to consider this fact. This woman, this woman raised a man that you love with all your heart. This woman raised a man that you love with all your heart. Does that count for something? 
that is a debt that can never be repaid. And so we honor the years of labor that she poured into and the guidance that she gave to your hubby, let alone all the years of feeding him. That's even more. How can you support and be loyal to your mother-in-law? If you have concerns or painful encounters with your mother-in-law, do you pray about them? Do you pray about your place and attitude in them? You could discuss in a positive way with your husband how you can be a support to his mother. Now, notice I didn't say complain, because complain would then put your hubby in the middle, and you don't want to do that. And don't talk about your mother-in-law to all your girlfriends, because they are always going to take your side, and they're always going to give a one-up story. Loyally support this woman whom God has placed in your life. Prayer, loyalty, and trust on the part of both women in this relationship can break down a lot of walls. The second area is support means not being jealous. These two emotions are opposite. One seeks the good of yourself, one seeks the good of others. When you see your daughter-in-law ask your son for his thoughts, and your son asked your daughter-in-law for her thoughts, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. For me, I often say to Tim, what does Angie think? Or for Renee, I can say, what does Paul say? Just a few words. Practice saying those words. What does you fill in the blank of your daughter-in-law think? As a matter of fact, I think we'll try it. Okay? All together, you mother-in-laws, you put in the name of your daughter-in-law. What does Angie think? It's easy to say, isn't it? But those words are hard to say if you think the outcome is not going to be best from your perspective. But do it. If God so chooses, they might ask your opinion or your husband's opinion. But if not, you pray and keep quiet. You want to leave a godly legacy in this home. Do not be jealous for your own way. You want your grandkids that come along to see mom's dependence on dad and vice versa and not on grandma. Don't compete. It's not a competition between two women who want to make the right decision. Support means not being jealous at times if the other in-laws have more input and time with the couple and family than you do. Many times a mother-in-law will say, oh, I lost my son. But really you didn't. In reality, you gained a daughter. Truly, you did. Could it be that your son is trying to establish his leadership in this marriage? Your son now has another mom and dad. Sometimes that means in a relationship a son works with his wife who is very close to her parents. You want to see that your son lead his wife. You don't want to count, well, she went, they went to her folks ten times, and they only came to our place twice, and they did this with her family, and they haven't done anything with ours. Don't compete. Don't get jealous, and don't keep tallies. Now, I know if the couple's relationship is very one-sided towards her parents, it can be very hard for the son of a mom. I understand that. I get that. And probably some of you are thinking, yeah, don't keep tallies. Well, how am I going to not keep tallies? Help. Well, I was asked that question about six weeks ago, and I've been praying and praying about it. And I do not have three steps 
to not keep tallies and not be jealous. But I can offer you this counsel. Give your expectations daily to the Lord for this relationship and ask the Lord to help you not to compare with the other in-laws. I promise you that as you start approaching your tallies with God's mindset, the jealousy will dwindle. Also, are you willing, as we look to the future legacy, to give up those times when you want to be mad, when you want to be offended? Will you give up your pride, give up those thoughts and emotions, and confess them and prayerfully seek the Lord and purpose to celebrate their marriage? Totally different focus, is it, as we look ahead? Now, daughter-in-laws, the same is true for you. Support and jealousy are at the opposite ends of the relationship spectrum. One of the things I hear frequently is that my mother-in-law doesn't accept me, or doesn't even like me for that matter. First, you have to ask yourself, are you projecting your insecurities on her? Are you jealous of your mother-in-law and her relationship with her son? Remember, your mother-in-law is in a new place too. Are you reading the relationship wrong? By confessing, likewise, your jealous thoughts, you will honor your husband and strengthen your relationship with your mother-in-law. You want to see, seek the Lord as to not how to impress her, but how to love her with kindness. If you did that with your whole heart, do you think God would not honor that and support that? Do you want to give up those things and seek him and pray about it? And God will give you help to, to not be jealous. And how can, you, how can you help and support your mother-in-law? There's myriads of ways that you can do it. And each one of you daughter-in-laws have a different mother-in-law. So it, you need to ask the Lord. In James 1.5 it says, ask for wisdom and he will give it to you. So ask for wisdom how to support her. And then ask for God's help to carry that through also and be obedient to that. There may be a few of you daughter-in-laws here who have diligently, faithfully before God constantly tried to serve and support your mother-in-law to no avail. Let me encourage you in the first place to continue on, to keep doing that. And as you have that, that confidence that you're doing that in your life, know that God is working in this relationship. And God will bless you ministering to your mother-in-law in your own life and in your son's life, and in your children's life in the years ahead. So keep doing those things that will support your mother-in-law. Third, support means no strings attached. And in some ways, this is the hardest support in a relationship between a mother and daughter-in-law. And I'm going to start with the mother-in-law because, frankly, you're the older woman in this relationship, and you've got to take the lead. Mother-in-laws, don't make it your desire to mold this couple into many you and dad. Offer advice when sought or appropriate, but give your expectations to the Lord. Give them your gifts, but don't expect to walk in the door and see them on the mantle. Give them your time, but don't expect them to be there at your beck and call. In other words, no strings attached to anything you do for them. Now, this is one I really feel like I have to talk about. Give up your holidays and celebrations. 
this is a very hard one not to have strings attached. You have always celebrated your Christmas and your birthday and your Thanksgiving on this day, and by gosh and by golly, you're going to keep on doing it. Your new or longtime daughter-in-law and son are wanting to establish their own times and traditions. Don't demand your calendar day. Think celebrate. So you have to celebrate Christmas the weekend before or the weekend after. Think in light of eternity. Will this son and daughter-in-law remember Christmas rushing around to both sets of parents and then rushing around maybe to both sets of grandparents? And they're tired. And if there's little ones involved, everybody's grumpy. It has always been my heart attitude, how can we make how can I make the holidays more enjoyable for my kids' family? And that makes the celebrations more loving. I want them to delight to be at my house. I don't want them to see that as an obligation. Be willing to make the changes necessary to celebrate a special day. Now I say that, <clears throat> excuse me, but just recently, after all this time, I faced sin in this area of wanting my own day. Paul, my son-in-law, uh, his family always celebrates Christmas on Christmas night. And I've accepted that, embraced that. But a couple years ago, Tim and Angie were coming into town in the afternoon. And so I said to Paul and Renee, can you go to Paul's families later? You know, they're going to be we'll all be together on Christmas. And they, Paul said, no, we're going to go at the same time. And I did one of these. Well, what do you know? You know, just this once, we could just, what harm can it do to go late? You know, the fussing mother-in-law thing. God convicted me. He convicted me. And I can say I'm thankful that Paul, for Paul's leadership in that and say, no, we're going to go celebrate with my family because they are important to us and to our family as well. Be willing to make the changes necessary to celebrate a special day. It's about the celebration, not the date. And also know that these dates might need to change as your family grows. Flexibility is key. Now to your daughter-in-laws. You too need to support and serve your mother-in-law without strings. Think of ways to support your mother-in-law without expecting something in return. What's important to your mother-in-law? Do you know? How could you be a part? Consider doing something for your mother-in-law, and, like, put those strings in your pocket. If you don't have any idea what you could do for your mother-in-law, I want you in the next couple weeks to ask her, hey, whatever you call her, mom or whatever, um, what would you like to do if you had a free Saturday afternoon? And when she tells you what she would like to do, I want you to listen. And if she says, well, I'd like quilting, then you find a quilt show and say, I'll go with you to the quilt show. Just to be with her, just to be by her, just to learn about her. If she likes the theater, look up the times of shows and invite her to go with you alone. But, and here's the key, you do this not so that she'll like you better, or that she'll like you better than the other daughter-in-law, or that she'll watch your kids uh, when you need help. But you do this so you can learn about her, and then, by proxy, your husband. And you are gleaning stories that you can share as a legacy to pass on to your own children. That's a challenge to you. Support means showing love and affection. 
I couldn't help, I kept thinking about how do I love thee, let me count the ways. It would be impossible for me to list ways for a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law to love each other. So I'm hoping that I can offer to you some core thoughts to change outlaws into in-laws. And again, the key word is celebrate. Ruth and Naomi loved each other. Ruth would never have gone back to Judah and left her family if she did not know that Naomi was going to love her. And even though Naomi loved Ruth enough to say, go back to your family, when Ruth said, do not urge me to go, she knew, (coughs) Naomi knew Ruth loved her. Daughter-in-laws, this time I'm starting with you. Ruth went knowing she would receive love from this woman, giving and receiving love. Your mother-in-law responds to love. What woman doesn't? She desires to be appreciated. And yes, she still loves her son. I said my son has been married almost 24 years. I can stand here and say I love him today as much as I did when he was single. Does that make me a bad mother-in-law? No. But it helps my daughter-in-law to know that I will always be there for him and always for her also. We mother-in-laws are not the competition that are often portrayed. Romans 12.8 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. How many people are you supposed to be at peace with? Does that include your mother-in-law? To be obedient to that command, we must love our mother-in-laws. And God is able to accomplish that. Have you ever asked the Lord for insight into how to love your mother-in-law? Have you asked God to take away any competition? How about loving your mother-in-law by encouraging her with words, such as how thankful you are that your husband learned, you fill in the blank, to take care of the bills, to cook would be a big one for me, Um, to be sensitive to your feelings. And he learned that in her house, and you're thankful for that. How about something as simple as, you know, I'd really like your beef stroganoff recipe because your son just raves about your beef stroganoff. Words of encouragement. To be obedient. Words of affirmation for who she is and what she's done. It's so easy to see the negatives. And showing love verbally is very important to us as women, isn't it? Show love by your actions. Give her a hug when you see her. When you're in a group together, if it's a church or a family thing, talk to her. Don't do this avoidance thing like she's the enemy. She is not the enemy. Show love by your actions. And if you think she's the enemy, then please, please take your heart before the Lord so you can be, and he will help you be at peace with all men, with her. Give and receive love. Now, certainly, not all of us are blessed with smooth family dynamics. You can say, my mother-in-law is all those adjectives we negatively listed at the beginning, if not more so. But we need to be careful, gals, that exceptions, that she's not a perfect mother-in-law, become excuses to treat her in an ungodly way. We are never going to be perfect mother-in-laws or daughter-in-laws. Be careful that exceptions don't become excuses. You are commanded to love your mother and father. And now, in a way, your in-laws are, in a sense, your mother and father, too. We are to encourage our husbands to invest love in their moms and dads. 
and you are helping your husband to be obedient to that command. And you can only do that if you love as well. I think it really boils down to this. Do you trust in God and his word for what you're to do? Are you fearful that you will lose your rightful place in your marriage? Fear is crippling in relationships. 1 John 4.18, there, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Loving kindness will make the fear go away. 1 Peter 4.8, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins, showing love and support in words and actions. And this will only happen as you have the heart of Jesus. And remember that you are working towards a godly legacy. Mother-in-laws, a lot of what I previously just said goes as a challenge to you as well. Do you trust that God has brought this woman into your son's life? And God has chosen this woman to be your son's wife. I can say, without a doubt, I can stand here and say, if your son is married to this gal, it is God's providential plan. It is his choice for her. And as your son loves this woman, you must also. If you refuse to support and love her, you could lose your son's heart. And no mom wants that to happen. You love your daughter-in-law because God is in this marriage and because your son loves her. So how do you love your daughter-in-law? By getting to know her. Know what she likes. Join her. Does that sound familiar? Go out on a date with your daughter-in-law. Your love can be seen by asking about her. How is her day? Does she need some help? Does she, you opening your home if she wants to entertain and your home is small? Sharing your blender, something as simple as that. Look for ways to physically, emotionally love your, your daughter-in-law. If she's not so receptive at first, remember she's still trying to establish her role here. Be patient. Remember I said that there's a learning curve in this relationship. But likewise for you, mother-in-laws, as far as it depends on you, you are to be at peace with all men. Love her and serve her with no expectations and wait on the Lord as you pray. Now for some of you older, older gals like me, um, there's a book in, in the bookstore that was very helpful for me in planning this, and it talks about grandmas and grandma duties, and it's called The Silver Lining by Nancy Wilson. You might want to look that up. And there's only four left. Only four? Okay. Canon Press is the one who um, is the place where you can order it online even. All right, so in conclusion... Naomi and Ruth came from similar and hard circumstances to be this mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Ruth supported Naomi, and God supported them both by giving to Ruth a husband through the line of her dead husband named Boaz. Ruth married Boaz. Now I want you to turn to chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord, who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you 
and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi, in chapter 1, went back to Judah, and the harshness of her life must have been seen in her face because in verse 19, her friends say, Is this Naomi? In these verses, these are her friends, and they're saying, Praise the Lord. He did it, Naomi. He gave you a son. He blessed you. And he gave you a son that will be a sustainer in your old age. And from a daughter who is better to you than seven sons. And seven sons was the perfect family in the Hebrew culture. And Naomi, the mother-in-law, the grandmother, became the baby's nurse. Not a wet nurse like um, Moses' mom was, but... She had some parental responsibilities for him. Look at verse 17. The neighborhood women gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. So they named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. They named him Obed, which means servant. And he was to be a servant of all. And this Obed's great great-grandson was David, King David, King, the man after God's own heart. And David's descendant became Jesus, the Savior of the world, who serves all. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A celebration and leaving a godly legacy. Do you see the generations in the story of mother-in-law and daughter-in-law? Naomi was long dead before David was born and before our Savior Jesus, but God had a providential plan. You and I have no idea what is God's plan for the generations to come who follow us. But like Naomi and Ruth, we want to be part of that plan. Celebrate what you know of God's plan today, right now, both of you, mom and mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, that he has for you. Do you see the generations in this story? What a legacy God granted to Naomi and Ruth, who purposed by the grace of God to support each other. Did they have any idea that their offspring would be the Savior of the world? Now, I need to clarify that your offspring and my offspring will not be the Savior of the world. That only happened (laughs) once when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But God has many, many servants. Isn't it your heart's desire, if you look at your heart, that your next generation and the next generation and the next generation be servants of the Most High God? Ordinary people in ordinary events that God works out his plan for the next generation. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Naomi, Ruth, Boaz, you, me, God is working for good in our lives. Support and celebrate that work. Celebrate. Celebrate what the work God is doing in your family. Get out your best china and have a big party. If the weather ever changes, make a big picnic and go out and have a picnic. Or just put out balloons and crepe paper and celebrate what God is doing with the previous generation or the next generation. Celebrate, but make sure there's an in-law there.
how would it affect the legacy of your family if you went out of your way, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, to, according to God's principles, to speak to your mother-in-law or daughter-in-law only in ways that would show support, love, and build her up. That can and will happen as you pray and give what you want, what you expect, what you think in this fragile relationship to the Lord. What could God do in the next generation if you did everything in your power to love your in-law people well, on God's terms and not your own? How is your prayer life going to change after today about this relationship? What can you do this week, this month, to love and support your mother-in-law? What can you do this week, this month, to love and support your daughter-in-law? Celebrate in your heart, in your words, in your actions, the next generation. Leave a God legacy. Well, that was great stuff, wasn't it? I mean, that was super practical. I'm so grateful to listen to this wise woman talk about how you and I can deal with some of our family relationships. I love that she started with celebrating and ended with celebrating because I'm a, I'm a girl who likes a good party, right? And that is such an important thing. It's really being thankful. I think that's what that underlying tone is when we have a celebration is it's thankfulness and we need to celebrate. There's a lot of good things that are happening. Now, maybe today you're sitting and you are not dealing with a difficult mother-in-law or a difficult daughter-in-law. Maybe instead it is a father-in-law that's difficult, or maybe you're struggling with a sister or brother-in-law, or maybe it's a great aunt that has all of a sudden entered into the into your you and your husband's situation. Um, maybe you have your some mixed family situations. Maybe you have a stepfather-in-law or a stepmother-in-law in addition to a mother-in-law. I know these are really tricky and very difficult situations, and I'm sure that um, we could go on and on about all the different possible scenarios you could be experiencing, but hey, I think there's some application no matter what kind of relationship you are dealing with. So I kept hearing Diane say over and over again a few things. Number one, she said, we need to give our family members a lot of grace, meaning we we have to be cautious not to take offense quick, not to be angry quick. We need to be cautious that we are not doing things on purpose. And we need to remember that, you know, take a look at what's going on in their lives and what's going on in their homes that we can see and uh, maybe adjust to. She also said over and over, we need to give a lot of love. We need to love these people well. Even if they're difficult to love, we need to put effort into loving them and looking for ways that they would feel best loved. Um, Maybe going somewhere with them or finding out what they like. And lastly, she said, lots and lots of prayer. And I think these types of relationships require us to spend time in prayer. And I think that's probably the best thing we can do, especially when we're unsure what to do. Let's pray that God gives us wisdom to know how to love all these people best. Hey, let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words from Diane today. I thank you that she led us to honor you in our relationships, in our homes, 
or beyond our homes into our family with our mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, all the in-law situations. Lord, we thank you that you have planned these, you have organized these. We thank you that you are not surprised by these relationships and I pray that you would help us to go forth today honoring you with these relationships and that we would seek you and come before you, Lord, each time that we are struggling with these relationships. Thank you again for today, and I thank you for all the listeners. May you guide them and lead them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen to next week's episode as we talk about how you and I can avoid some friendship killers, some things that really wreck friendships. We really do need to be aware of these things. Hey, remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.